Hello, this is Pastor Ryan Clark. You are listening to a message from St. John's Lutheran Church in Buffalo, Minnesota. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall declare your praises in the name of Jesus. Amen. About eight, nine years ago or so, the son of a certain NBA basketball player was asked before his first middle school basketball game this question. What jersey number would you like to wear? Well, apparently he thought about it for a minute or so and answered with something along the lines of, well, not my dad's number, all right? I want to be my own man. I want to create my own legacy. And frankly, I just don't want to be associated with him. I don't want people to know I'm related to that guy. And so instead of wearing his dad's famous number 23, he decided to wear number zero. And hoping to remain anonymous before his first sixth grade basketball game, he was introduced starting at power forward, number zero, LeBron James Jr. You think people might have known who his dad was? The name aside, there were certain traits that just gave it away. This kid was six feet tall at 12 years old. He was dunking in a middle school basketball game. And oh yeah, LeBron James himself was sitting courtside at this middle school basketball game for some reason. It didn't matter what number he wore, right? Sometimes there is just certain traits that are a giveaway that you belong to a certain family. Like my family, for instance. My poor boys, right? There are certain traits that will give them away as Orion. For one, they're going to end up with noses that are one to two sizes too large for their face. That is just the way that it is. And I'm already seeing that second one. They are going to scarf down their meals at such a grotesque pace that it will disgust many of the guests at their tables. And you know I'm seeing that third one up there. Their handsomeness levels off the charts. That's just the way that it is as Orion, right? Maybe in your family, what gives you all away is the way that you laugh. Maybe it's the way that you smile. Maybe it's the way that you talk. Oh, did you see that smile? He is definitely a Jones. Did you hear the way she talks? She is definitely a Smith. Like I said, sometimes there's just certain traits that are a giveaway that you belong to a certain family. And that truth holds true when it comes to the family of God. As children of God, there are some inevitable traits that you will have, and we see some of those listed today in our epistle lesson in Romans 5. Traits that people will see you have and say, oh yeah, she is definitely God's child. Oh, I know who his dad is. And we're going to look at those traits today. In fact, we're going to answer these three questions. What are those inevitable traits that all of God's children possess? Second, and probably more important, what should we be doing with those traits? And third, how can one know if he or she is for sure a child of God? And we're going to begin with the end in mind. We're actually going to start with question number three there. How can one know if he or she is a child of God? Because why would you care about those traits are and what you should do with them if you're not sure if you even have them in the first place? So let's start with question three. How can one know if he or she is a child of God? And if that is your question, let me fire one back at you. How does one become a part of any family as a little child? How did you become a part of your family as a little child? As a little kid, it doesn't matter if you were born into that family 
or adopted into that family. Almost certainly you didn't choose them. They chose you. As I was researching for this sermon this week, I found, I don't know if it's a cute story or not, but uh, this particular couple up here, they decided to adopt four siblings into their family. Well, as the adoption process was getting finalized, they found out they were pregnant with quadruplets. I remember what it was like going from zero to one. I can only imagine going zero to eight like that. Well, both sets of four, they almost certainly didn't choose their parents. In a certain sense, their parents chose them. And that's the way it works with God's family as well. At least that's what I see in Ephesians 1.5. It says God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. In other words, God specifically chooses you as his child. And think about how incredible this is that God decided to adopt you into his family. My boys, I love them. I wouldn't trade them in for the world. But I didn't specifically choose Nathan and Cooper. No, God chose them for me. But in adoption, God looks at you and he specifically chooses you. He sees the final product. He knows every sin, every mistake you're ever going to make. And he says, that's the one right there. She's my girl. He's my boy. He decided in advance to adopt you. It gives him great pleasure to do so. And he did this all through Jesus Christ. In other words, this right here, the cross, that is the adoption process and the adoption fee paid for in full. Through Jesus' life and then death on the cross, he paid that adoption fee by removing the separation that was between you and God. And now God is free to draw near to you and lavish you with his love, which is what he wants to do to you, his child. And those who believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and are baptized are those who don't reject that adoption. They are children of God, and they are actually marked with his name. In a certain sense, they receive God's family name when they become children, when we became children. And this marking with the family name, this is something God has been doing throughout Scripture. We actually see in the Old Testament all the way back in number 6. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. You probably heard those words before, right? You hear them every week if you're still paying attention by the end of the service. Those are the blessing and benediction. What you probably don't know is the verse that comes right after that in number 627. It says, so they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. In other words, through that old covenant, through that blessing right there, the Israelites became children of God. They were marked with his name. And some of the Israelites were so excited about this. It says in Isaiah 44, 5, they went out and did this. Another will write on his hand, the Lord's, and will take the name Israel. In other words, they were so excited, they went out and got God's name actually tattooed on their hands so that everyone would know who their father was. And that's pretty cool. 
But what is even more incredible, as it always is, is what God does through Jesus Christ in the new covenant. The new covenant is always superior to the old covenant. In the new covenant, Jesus himself says in Revelation 3.12, I will write on them the name of my God. That is a promise that applies to all nations. It's not just the Israelites. All nations can now have, all people can now have Jesus personally write God's name on them. And what happens in the new covenant is vastly superior to us being so excited that we get God's name tattooed on our hands. Listen to this, Isaiah 49, 16. See, I have written your name on the palms of my hand. In other words, God got ink. He was so excited that you are his child that he went out and got your name tattooed on his hand. That's what it says happens through the new covenant, through Jesus Christ. And when I see a verse like this, all I can say is God is not ashamed of you. He is proud that you are his child. Why else would he get your name tattooed on him? He is like a proud dad who got the names of their kids tattooed on his arm, right? God tattoos your name on his hand. He wants the whole world to know that you are his. And as I already said, there are certain traits that are going to blow your cover anyways because there are certain traits that will identify you as a child of God that you inevitably have. And that's what we're going to talk about for the second half of this message. We see some of those in Romans 5. The first one we see, peace with God. In Romans 5, 1, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. Peace with God is the knowledge that your sins have been forgiven. It is your sins actually being forgiven through Jesus Christ. It is the fact that Jesus paid the debt for your sins, that you are now adopted into God's family and you get to walk with him each and every day into all eternity. That is what peace with God is. And the cool thing about peace with God is that it inevitably leads to the peace of God. Peace with God is the state that you are in and peace of God, it's different. It's the state of mind that you have as you walk through life. Let me explain how one leads to the other using Michigan football. Now, as some of you might know, I'm kind of a Michigan football fan. Maybe you tuned into a game this year. If you did, I can guarantee you this, Michigan won. You want to know how I know that? Because Michigan didn't lose a single game this year. They were national champions, kind of a a big deal if you ask me. Now, believe it or not, one of my favorite things to do is to watch highlights from this season. And don't you judge me for this next one. But sometimes I will sit down and watch an entire game over it. One of my favorite games to rewatch is when Michigan defeated the Alabama Crimson Tide in the Rose Bowl. It was the college football playoff semifinal. Now, I'll tell you, watching this game live was the most stressful game of the season. For much of the second half, it looked like the worst was going to happen, like Michigan was going to lose. But now, now when I rewatch it, it is stress-free. Why? I know the final score. I know the good guys won. I know the outcome. And so through the ups and even through the downs, right? I am at peace the entire game. Maybe you see where I'm going with this. The peace with God leads to the peace of God because you already know the final score. You know the outcome. You know the score was settled on the cross. 
You know that your sins are forgiven. You know that you're going to be walking with Jesus now and forever. And so that changes how you walk through life as you experience the ups and as you experience the downs. And some of them are pretty far down, aren't they? You experience a peace that others who are not children of God can't even imagine having in that situation. Why? You know the final score. The peace with God leads to the peace of God. So those are two traits that we have as God's children. Also, number three here. This is a big one. Your pain is not purposeless. Pastor Clark talked about this just a little bit last week, and we're going to talk about it again here from our reading today, Romans 5, 3 through 4. We also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. In other words, this passage is saying suffering in life, it's inevitable, right? Jesus says in this world, you will have trouble. But just as suffering is inevitable, just as trials are inevitable, so is God using your trials to make you more mature and complete. He is working in you specifically as his child. And only God's children get this. Some pretty incredible things. It said he's working in you perseverance. That's the ability to push through and endure any and everything that life sends your way. That is a pretty valuable trait, isn't it? And perseverance, it leads to character. Character, the consistent moral goodness that is revealed and developed through perseverance. What do I mean by that? Well, I don't know why I thought of this as an example, but a few months ago, I was sitting with a, a group of friends and one of the group the, was a new dad, just had a newborn baby, first time dad. And I remember someone else in the group whispering, saying, man, he is such a good dad. And I remember thinking, maybe, maybe he is. We don't know yet. We shall see what his character is as a dad when he is actually tested, right? We shall see when that kid is a little older, maybe when that kid is regularly testing him as a teenager, right? Then his character will be revealed. And through all of that testing and perseverance, that is how he is developed as a good dad. And that how is his character is revealed. So God is working in you as his child, perseverance. And perseverance leads to character. And then it says character leads to hope. And hope in the Bible, that's not this, oh, I hope this happens one day kind of hope. No, it is the certainty that God is at work in your trials, in your life, in your situation, because you have seen him at work regularly in your life. It is the kind of hope that has faith despite what your eyes might be seeing and what your brain might be telling you about that situation. It's the kind of hope that Abraham had in our Old Testament lesson today. 99 years old, right? God promised him a child, and he had hope in that despite what his eyes were seeing, despite what his brain was telling him. 99-year-olds don't have kids, right? In Romans 4.18, it says, Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. And so as a child of God, God is working in you some incredible traits. Peace with him, the peace of God. Your pain is never wasted. He's working in you perseverance, character, and hope. And we could keep on going. There are many more traits that we could talk about. But there's just one more I want to talk about in our lesson today. 
As a child of God, I guarantee you, you will be boastful. It just comes with the territory. That's what it says in Romans 5.11. Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. In other words, this boastfulness that comes as being a child of God, this is not saying, hey, look at me, I'm the best. Check this out. No, this is saying, hey, look at my God, look at my dad, look at my heavenly father. He is the best. Check this out. And who wouldn't be boastful about a God who does all these things for you, his child, as your parent? In God, we have someone who loves us no matter how much we mess up. That's what it says in Romans 5, 8 anyways, right? It says, God showed his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, Jesus goes to the cross knowing every sin you would ever commit, every mistake you'd ever make, dies for you anyways. He adopts you into God's family anyways, seeing the final product. You are not going to get disowned from this family. As a child of God, you have someone who you can approach whenever you need grace, forgiveness, mercy, love, and you can do so boldly as children. We don't have to beg him for these kind of things. God, as your parent, gives you his Holy Spirit that leads you and guides you and gives you help in times of need. Through God, we are blessed to be a blessing to those around us. And in God, you have someone who laid his life down just for you. Who wouldn't brag, who wouldn't boast about something like that? And I'm hinting around it here, but I haven't quite directly answered that question number two, the only one that remains outstanding there. What should we do with these traits as children of God? Certainly, we should be boasting about him and who he is. But we should also remember my very important point of the day. Remember, you represent the family name. Don't bring shame to the family name now. Instead, point to the traits that you have because you are a child of God and bring glory to him. Fair or not, you represent God as his child. That's what it says in 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. In other words, the world is going to look at you and make judgments about who God is. You say, no, no, they wouldn't do that, right, Pastor? Well, who among us has not looked at a misbehaving child and had this thought cross our mind? I wonder what his parents are like. We do that, and Junior might just be having a little bit of an off day, but it still crosses our mind, right? When people look at you, they will know you are a child of God. It is inevitable, and they will possibly make judgments about who God is. And so we are to remember that we represent the family name. Don't bring shame to the family name. People are going to look at you and perhaps make a judgment call about whether or not they are going to reject that adoption that God is working in their life. Don't bring shame to the family name. If you do, and we all do sometimes, we all sin and fall short. Repent. Ask God for forgiveness. He gives it to you. He's not going to withhold that from you. Have him turn you back on the right path. Walk with him, and then point to those traits that you have because you are a child of God and bring glory to him. 
boast about a God who gives you these incredible traits, who works peace with him, the peace of God in your life, who uses your pain to develop perseverance, character, and hope. And boast about a God who does all of these things for you and more, who loves you no matter how much you mess up, who you can approach in times of need, who blesses you to be a blessing, and who laid down his life just for you. Children of God, may you do these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon from St. John's Lutheran Church in Buffalo, Minnesota. If you would like more information about St. John's and any of our ministries to our community and beyond, you can go to our website, www.stjohnsbuffalo.org. Thank you and God bless you.